time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shmos. We begin the second book of the Torah, which according to the Bahag is called Sefer Hasheni, an interesting a uh, factor for discussion tonight at your Shabbos table. Why the Baal Halachos Gedolos calls this book the second book. After all, it has its own character. And I think it bespeaks a great deal uh, about our philosophy, etc. Discuss it tonight. Why this book is called to the Bahag Sefer Sheni. The book is called, according to the Ramban, Sefer HaGeula, the book of redemption, but not simply because in this book we are privileged to have Yitzias Mitzrayim, which comes in uh, Bo and Beshalach, the actual exodus from Egypt, but as the Ramban says in his introduction, that it was not until we received the Torah at Sinai in Parshas Yisro, and it was not until HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused His Shekhinah to reside, His Divine Presence, to de- reside in our midst, uh, as we find at the end of the Sefer, with Truma, Titzaveh, Kisisa, Vayakel, and Pekude, with the establishment of the sanctuary, the Mishkan, in their midst, in the desert. It was only then, as the Ramban says, that God not only caused His Shechina to be with us, Shavu El Ma'alas Avosam. Then we were restored to the high, literally, place of the patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Shehoya Sod Eloka. God's presence in their midst. They were literally the chariot of God. And then the Jewish nation was considered redeemed. And I think that that in of itself is a very important message to us. We pray that we are living in the time of the beginning of the redemption with the land of Israel back in our hands and the flourishing of the state of Israel all a sign of God's very strong presence in our midst but it's not until please God that we will have the third Beis HaMikdash at that time there our complete Geula will arrive I'd like to focus this morning on a very interesting aspect of the story which is familiar to us. The Jewish people uh, are in Egypt and Egypt is concerned lest the Jewish people become a nation unto themselves and a potential political, social, military and every other kind of threat that they might conceive of to their uh, political uh, way of life, they enslave the Jewish nation. And the Torah tells us that uh, Paro has a decree 
that all of the Jewish baby boys should be thrown into the Nile. Now we know that according to the Medrash, the astrologist told Paro that a Jewish savior would be born to them, and therefore Paro comes up with this decree. The Torah tells us about the two midwives that um, were in Egypt at that time, Asher Sheim Ho'achas Shifra V'Sheim HaSheinis Pua. One of them was called Shifra, and the other one was called Pua. And Rashi tells us who are these women, Shifra and Pua, the midwives in Egypt. So Rashi says Shifra, quoting from Shmos Rabbah, the Medrash, Shifra Zu Yocheved, is Yocheved Moshe's mother. And why is she called Shifra? Because she was the one that literally smoothed the baby. In other words, after birth, as we know, the baby needs cleaning up and the baby needs calming. So she was the one who literally cleaned the baby. And Pua, who is Pua, says Rashi, so Miriam, her daughter, Alshem Shepua, Umedaberes Vohogel Levlad, Pua is Miriam, who literally was able to calm the baby. Poo, poo, like sha, sha, like in order to stop the baby from crying. Now, ask yourself, asks the great Mashkiach, Reb Yeruchim Levavitz, Zechat Sadik Levracha of the Mir, in his Das Torah, is it not strange that the Torah should record these women by their pseudonym, by the name of Shifra and Pua, tell us that the Mialdos were Yocheved and Miriam, because after all, the Torah tells us about these Mialdos. Wow! Vatirena HaMialdos Esa Elokim. What does that mean? That these midwives had incredible fear of God and they risk their lives in order to save the lives of as many Jewish babies as they can. They defied Paro's orders, and they caused and gave literally life to the boys to live. Now this is a remarkable feat on their part. Why does the Torah refer to them as Shifra? and poor. And he suggests a very interesting concept. Before I get to the actual concept, let's understand. In Judaism, we believe that Shema Goram. Shema Goram means that it's not by chance that a person has the name that they do. Without calling it prophecy, the Talmud in the Gemara Brothers 7 tells us that there's like a kind of divine assistance which is given to parents when they give a name. And therefore much time is spent in the Gemara Brachos showing how various names that even though the mother and father, when they gave this name, didn't realize. So when Leah calls him Reuven, she really wasn't necessarily attributing it to Reuven, look at the uh, 
potential of my son. And why was she called Rus? As Rabbi Yochanan says, it comes to teach Shezachsa, she was privileged. Vyatsamimeno David, Shirivola Kodish Borahu, Rus Rivahu, the David who literally satisfied God with his songs and his praises. So the Gemara asks, Menolan, how do we know Dishmogarim? How do we know literally that the name that a person has literally has an effect upon their future? So Rebelaza says it's based upon a Pasuk from Tehillim, chapter forty-six, Pasuk nine, where the Pasuk says, Ru'chazu Mifalos Hashem, go and see the works of God, Ashesum, who placed Shamos Baaretz. Now literally Shamos means devastation in the land. But Rabbi Elazar says that the Torah, and in this case here, Tilim can be understood to mean not just Shamos, but don't read Shamos, but Shamos, as to, as it means names. That God is the one who places the names in the land, and by giving a certain name, it is almost like propelling a certain potential character to the individual. We see the importance of names. You'll take a look in the Gemara Yuma 83b, where the Gemara tells us that Reb Meir, who did pay attention to names, with his two chaverim, Reb Yossi and Reb did, did not, and they came to an inn, Erev Shabbos, and what were they going to do with their valuables? So they asked the innkeeper, what's your name? And he said, my name is Kidor. So Rabbi Meir said to himself, forget it. I'm not giving this guy my money. And he went and he, right before Shabbos, buried it outside in a field. But his chaverim, what's the difference what the guy's name is? They gave him his, uh, their money. And after Shabbos, when uh, they asked for the money, the guy says, what are you talking about? What money? So, uh-oh, Rabbi Meir, how did you know? So he said, Rabbi Meir, I remembered the Pasuk in Ha'azinu, in chapter 32 in the Torah, Pasuk 20, Kidor, his name was Kidor, Kidor Tapuchos Eima, literally, for they are a generation of reversals. The idea is that names play a very important role in this week's parsha by the burning bush. So what do we find in chapter 3 of this week's parsha that Moshe, who resists, as we're told, for a week's time, the incredible job offer that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him because he doesn't want to step on his brother's toes. But he says, as he's breaking down, I'm going to come to the Jewish people, and I'll say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they'll say to me, What's his name? What should I answer them? And the Ramban says, he doesn't mean literally what is the name meaning is it the name of Elohim, Kel Shakai, Hashem, no, it means what characteristic, the name represents the character of the person, and if so, ask Rabbi Yeruchim, why does the Torah call these women by this relatively minor act of Shifra and Pua, of making nice-nice to the baby and poo-poo to the baby, when after all, they're 
act of heroism was so monumental and their defiance and their Mesiras Nefesh and their belief in Klal Yisrael was so great, why call them by such a rather incidental point? And his answer is fantastic. His answer is, my friend, is that there is no such thing as a small thing, but rather it's based upon the person. When a great person does a small thing, then they have the capacity to elevate that small thing and make out of it nothing less than a monumental and great thing. And so since the kavana, since the intent of Yocheved and Miriam was to follow the Nevoah, that even though there was a Holocaust going on before their eyes, but they believed that Pokod Yivkod Hashem, the God will remember you and God will take you out of here and there will be a Jewish people etc. Because they believed in this, this small act on their part, which was all that they could do at that time, is considered nothing less than monumental. And this is a very important lesson that the Torah is teaching us. And that is, the Ramban says, literally in everything that a person does, based upon this Pasuk in Mishlei, we are to incorporate and challenge it to God. It's so difficult and challenging. I tell people all the time, how hard is it that before you sit down to your dinner, you say to yourself, I'm about to eat the food, and you thank your wife for preparing the meal. I'm about to eat the food that I can have a healthy body, that I can serve God. But with Baruch Hashem, the phone ringing and the... um, Mishulachim, literally at the door, and the children with their needs, etc. Who's got time for that? But the idea is that you can take the moment to convert each and everything that we do, which seems literally small. Oh, no. The Torah is teaching us that there's no such thing as a small act. A small act done by a great person becomes a great act. And therefore, in each and everything that we do, when we go to work, two people can go to the exact same job. I'm doing it because, after all, I need to make a living. And the other person next to them, sure, I need to make the living, but I need to give tzedakah. I need to be able to send my children to yeshiva and to pay schar limut. And therefore, the same act of working for another one becomes nothing less than a way of serving a Baruch Hu. So, Don't belittle the small acts. There is no such thing as a small act. And let me just suggest, in conclusion, one or two very powerful small acts. Try, whether you do it with Rosh Chodesh around the you'll know when to do it. In each and every community, there is a kind of senior citizen's residence. Take your young children, take your grandchildren. It's such a special bonding time with them. And just spend a half an hour and go from room to room and talk and say shalom and how are you. You don't realize what an incredible uplift 
this is for the senior citizens to interact and to see young children. You don't realize what it is for the young children to know that they are doing something important, that the smile which is going to come on the faces of the senior citizens, how powerful it is, and the bond that it creates between a parent and a child, between a parent and a grandchild in doing this mitzvah and this chesed together is one that is going to last a lifetime. The Torah doesn't call them Yochevet and Miriam. Of course they were great persons. The Torah calls them Shifra and Pua because their rather incidental acts teaches us that great people start with small things and each and every one of us has that potential for greatness by the acts that we do as well. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM in the AM Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shmos. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin.